Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome to the Springs. Man, you guys are looking good. Glad you guys are with us today. This series, I'm so excited about the series because this is like the heartbeat of the Springs. It's like one at a time. We all kind of get this. We understand. You're listening to the rolling and you're going, yeah, that's how Jesus changed the world. One life at a time. One conversation at a time. We, we get that and we, we understand that, you know, we're supposed to love people the way Jesus did. But what does that look like? See, Jesus had this uncanny ability to, in the middle of a crowd, zoom in on one and everything else blurred out. And the most important person was who was right in front of him. And that is the way he changed the world. And that's, way, and, and that's still the way we change the world. And he said to his disciples uh, in John 13, 34 and 35, he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That, that's the proof that you're a disciple, not by how much you know, not by even the, the things that you do, but by how you love. You know, that, that means that people are one of God's greatest tools for our own spiritual growth, how we're growing in our faith. Are we loving people more than we did last year? Is this apparent in my life? You know, I mean, we all get it. We, cause here, listen, we love people to a certain degree, <laughs> right? I mean, they, there's, there's just some people that, you know, that we love the people that are closest to us, you know, family, close friends, but you know, they're just, I mean, all right. Don't some people just annoy you? Right, don't point and don't look at them right now if they're there. But but it is. It's like I mean I want to make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. You know the the the, the people that that annoy you. I mean it's it's kind of like when you pull up to a red light and there's a car in front of you, and the light turns green and they don't move. Okay, and then you realize they're on their phone. They don't even know. They're clueless. And you know I always wrestle with like. Okay, how long do I wait before I lay on my horn? And do I give a little beep or do I give it a New York lay my, you know, shoulder on the horn? I, I'm always worried because I'm afraid it's one of you. And, but, but it's like, or, or it's me. But, but it's like you know, those people, it's just, or, you know, or you pull into a parking lot, you're headed to, I mean, everything's packed, right? You go to Target or your Walmart or your Publix and, and there's, you know, traffic going in and you're trying to figure out, okay, I got to park in a lane that, that's going to have a parking spot. And I don't care how far away I need to be. I'm just going to get a parking spot. And, and so you pull down the lane only to see a line of 10 cars stopped. Why? Because one guy is backing in down there. Okay, you backing in people. I, I get it, right? I get it. I mean, okay, if you're a backer in her, I've read all the, you know, the reasons it's safer, and I, I get all that, but not when there's 10 people waiting for a spot. You know, it's just those, some of y'all thinking, Sylvia, you need a good therapist right now. 
but, but it is. There, there's all those people that in our lives annoy us. I know Teddy and I, like when we're on the interstate and I, I'm driving and, and I'm in the left lane and there's some guy right in front of me and they're doing like, you know, 69 miles an hour. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I'm like, and he's just hanging out. And I'm thinking, you're hanging out in the left lane. I said, why is this guy hanging out in the left lane, man? He needs to pull over. He wants to hang out. And Teddy always says something like, well, baby, I'm sure that guy woke up this morning and thought, how can I really tick off Ron Sylvia? <laughs> but, but we all have those annoying lists. And yet, as I read through the Gospels, you know the only people that annoyed Jesus? The religious people. The religious leaders. They're the, one, the spiritual know-it-alls. The, the ones that thought they had the answer for everything. But all the other people that Jesus encountered, those that were in the periphery, those were, that were sidelined, that nobody else saw, those are the people he focused on, those who were searching and confused, those who felt like failures, nobodies, with nothing to give and nothing to do, and they're marginalized, and they're the throwaways of society. Those are the people he zoomed in on. And I love to read those encounters, and we're going to do that through this series about Jesus and people. And and he had this way of zooming in on him, but how did he do it? I want to launch the series kind of giving some observations about how he did that and how we're to do that. Because if, if we're going to live this year differently, these are some of the habits that we need to put into our lives, some things that we need to put into practice. And the, the first one is this, slow down to see what God sees. It's like life for so many of us is a blur. Because we're moving so fast. But what would it be like to, to slow down? And, and honestly, the reason people irritate us is because they slow us down. We got things to do and people, you know, people to see and we're, we're, we're moving. I mean, we're in a hurry. You know that Jesus was never in a hurry? He, he just wasn't. <laughs> and that irritated his disciples. It did. I mean, they, oh, there are so many times that, you know, that they were irritated, frustrated, and annoyed by people over and over again. And, uh, and Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Matter of fact, let me kind of sit, sit into a couple of these. In Matthew 19, here's one of those. One day, parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. <laughs> but the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. They're like... He doesn't have time for your kids. We got to schedule the key people. We, no, no, some other time, right? This is not the right time. And what happens is they scolded the parents and then Jesus scolded them and said, guys, let the children come. Let me pray for them. I mean, he had in the middle of a, a, a lot, a busy schedule, he was always pushing pause, slowing down, and moving close to people. And there was another one in Matthew chapter 15, said, uh, talking about this woman, let me set it up for you, this woman who cried out to Jesus, and she was crying out saying, 
Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering. And she's crying out to Jesus. <laughs> but the disciples, then his disciples urged him, send her away. <laughs> There's compassion, right? Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. <laughs> I mean, when you read that, you go, what? It's like they're saying, her pain is just annoying us. I mean, they, that's where they were at. They go, just send her away. But Jesus, he pushes the pause. He says, no. And he gives her time. And he loves her. And he heals her daughter. I mean, that, that's what Jesus does. He said, you, you've got to get this. We've got to slow down to see that. And slow down is not in a lot of our vocabularies. Our schedules are so full, we're running from event to event and meeting to meeting. And, but let's be honest. We think we're so busy, but no one was ever busier than Jesus. No one ever had more demands on their life than Jesus. But Jesus slowed down. I mean, it's... I learned a long time ago, if I want to be used by God, I have to get used to being interrupted because it's in the interruptions that God shows up. It's in the unscheduled, unplanned, unprepared moments that God inserts himself right in our everyday life. We didn't see it coming. And we have to decide whether we're going to respond like Jesus or like the disciples. Are they a bother or are they a priority? And, you know, when you say, I'm too busy, I don't have time for this. Are you too busy to care? Are we? I mean, because busyness is what kills compassion. It's, it's, it's what is the death of kindness. We can't be kind. We can't have compassion if we're moving fast. And so first, be willing to, to slow down. Because God has appointments for each one of us every day that most of us miss. And here's the thing. You can't follow Jesus and live a self-centered life. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it's all about other people. It's not, it's not about you. If you're a Christ follower, it's not about you. It stopped being about you a long time ago. It's about other people. And, and so the other thing you see Jesus do is zoom in one life at a time. He, he hit zoom and zooming in, you can't slow down to zoom in. You have to stop to zoom in. Like I know some of you, you're like, you take incredible pictures on your iPhone. I, I don't, I just, take, I just take bad pictures, especially when I try to zoom in because I'm usually moving and it's, it's grainy, it looks bad. It's like, I, I don't know. I have to probably take some lessons. But, but, you know, zooming in requires you to stop and focus. And that's what Jesus did. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this through the years, but people always want to study, you know, the steps of Jesus. They want to go to, you know, the Holy Land and they want to see where Jesus walked. But don't study the steps. Go through the Gospels and study the stops of Jesus. What caused him to push pause and stop and zoom in on one life? Do that. Sit down and read through the Gospels. Because you'll see 
the priority of people and how he dealt with people when he zoomed in. There's one chapter in uh, scripture, it's my favorite, Luke chapter 15. Luke 15 really unpacks the heart of God for people. And, and I, I want to kind of set up that whole chapter. It's where, it's where Jesus tells three parables back to back to back, which is the only time in scripture that he did this because it was kind of like an exclamation point. I really need you guys to get this. But I want to set it up, but back up the very first couple of verses in Luke 15. It, what's happening, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And before I go on, I mean, here's the deal, tax collectors. Tax collectors were hated by the Jews because tax collectors were Jews who, who went to work for the Roman government and they would steal and cheat their own family and people and so they were despised by the Jews. That's one group that often came to hear Jesus teach. And then I love the phrase notorious sinners. Not just regular sinners, notorious sinners. Notorious because maybe, uh, they, uh, maybe because they were known for a sin in their life. Something they had done that marked them forever. And, and it kind of became their identity. You know, or, or people who sin for a living habitually every day, like prostitutes or, you know, that, that th those are the people, get it, those are the people that love to come hear Jesus teach, not your normal church crowd. And, but the religious leaders said, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. He said, associating and eating. He did those two things. Now, associating was the word like welcoming. And, and it wasn't, you know, when you look at it, okay, welcoming and eating with people that are far from God, nothing like me, don't believe what I believe, live different lives than I live. Do we do that? Put it in your world. Or do you just hang out with safe people? I mean, that, that's, okay, welcoming and eating. Well, most of us would go, yeah, I do the welcoming. I mean, yeah, I'd say, hey, and I, you know, I, I welcome well, actually, the word welcoming there is a, a, a big embrace. It's like you embrace a family member that you haven't seen in a while. And, and it said that you, you welcome them and eat with them. Invite them into your home. Go to their homes. It's like the, what, what they were saying was what aggravated the religious people was that Jesus treated notorious sinners and tax collectors like they were family. And they didn't know what to do with him. I mean, they, there's, they were just, because what Jesus did is Jesus always zoomed in on the very people that everyone else cropped out. Cut them out of the picture. They're not important. Jesus was the one that zoomed in on their lives. And, and that's how he changed the world. And he says, and that's what you are to do. That's what we're to do. It's a, see, you look at who, who's that person in your world? Who, who are they? You know, there's something powerful about being seen by someone else. Because truth is, there's so many people in our lives that are invisible. You don't ever see them. But there's a powerful moment when they're seen. I want to take you to one of those um, there's a TikTok, a guy on TikTok named Devin Rodriguez. 
Um, he's an artist, and what Devin does and started doing was he would sit on the subways in New York and he would draw the people sitting across from him. He didn't tell them he was drawing them. And then after he drew the picture, he handed them the picture. And I want to take you to a couple of those. Watch your screen. I did a drawing of you. <laughs> Wait a minute, I've seen you do those videos. Oh, you have? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my eyebrows, my eyelashes. Oh, this just made my day. Oh, thank you so much. Can you keep this? Yeah, of course. Miss, I drew you. I did this drawing of you. Are you okay? Why would she react that way? What, what was it? I mean, she's seen pictures of herself. She's probably taking selfies. Because it's a powerful moment when someone is seen by someone else for the first time. When someone slows down and does something for someone else that's unexpected, out of nowhere, total stranger. That, that moment when you think, we... Who is it? I mean, just look around this room and think, we have three campuses. We're doing this at three campuses, and we're doing it in three services here. Well, what if every one of us focused on one person this week, that we moved in to someone that is unseen in our lives? I mean, what, what would happen? What would happen is what happened in the New Testament when the church exploded because they'd never seen people love the way that the disciples loved. They never saw that. And there's a world today that is dying to see that. What would happen? I mean, because Jesus was always the one to see the invisibles. And I love, St. Augustine had a quote that said that God loves each of us as if there were only one of us. God zooms in on our lives. God knows the hurts and the pains of all of our lives. We need to slow down and we need to zoom in on their needs and their life. And then be willing, the third takeaway is to change your world. Be willing to change your world to change their world. Be willing to, that means be willing to rearrange your world. Be willing to reorder your world, your plans, your day, your agenda, the things that you think are the most important to change somebody else's world. I mean, that's, that, that's what, like right now, we're, we're talking this week, you heard Jacob talk about it. We're launching a new season of groups 
small groups. That is how you do life with people here. That, that is a critical component that we have got to know each other. We can't, we got to move out of the rows that we sit in and we got to move into circles and we got to do life and community face to face. And, and that's risky. But, but, but we're going to take this entire study that, uh, the one, one at a time, and we're going to spend the next six weeks going through that study. And we're inviting you, and, 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 and I, I'm asking you to reorder your world. Because I know that some of you, you've already signed up. You're like, yeah, I'm in. I'm, I want to get in a group. I want to know some new people. And a lot of other people are like, I just don't really have the time right now. But, but if you don't reorder your world to meet new people, you will not be about the business and the of the gospel, it won't happen. And so the, the, the risk to take, you know, there's something going on right now in uh, Ocala and in central Florida that for us in Ocala, I don't think I've been here a long time and I don't think it's ever, I've ever seen anything like, I know I've never seen anything like this. Right now I was on a website and I did a search that within 15 miles of this campus, there are a thousand New people a month moving here within 15 miles of this campus. And you know what? And some of, some of them are you and you found us maybe online or where, wherever. And, and, and people are looking to be connected and to make friends and do life with people. And we've got to reorder our lives to, to spend time to know people and be known by people, to step deeper into the, the, the thing that God wants us to grow most in is the way we love each other. It's a, and you can do that. I mean, sign up in the lobby. And when this service is over, man, boom, hit the lobby in the center of the lobby. Go out there. Our teams are out there and they'll help you sign up. It's like $10 for the book and the study. And we're going to do a married group and we're going to do a men's group and women's group and other groups. We're, go, come and be a part. We're going to launch that. I don't want you to miss that. And, and Jesus, when he's, he hears uh, the religious leaders start grumbling about the people he's associating with, in verse 3 it says, so Jesus told them this story, and he went into the story of the three parables. And, it, I mean, it was that whole focus on the one. There's one that's lost. You know, the, there's 100 sheep. One of them got lost. There's a coin that the lady misplaced. You got to go find the coin. You know, then there's the, the son who took his inheritance early from his father. He went and wasted it on wine, women, and song. It's like, it's all about the one. He said, guys, you got to get this. It's about the one. We got to zoom in to one. We got to make a difference. And, it, and he goes and he tells that story first about the sheep. And in verse 14, it says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? And everybody knows the answer. Well, he's going to go find him. That, that, that was kind of like the, the norm, right? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it and leave that up there for a second? Because Jesus is saying to all of these religious guys, listen to me. One is lost. One is wandered. And we have to search for the one. That word search is like this. It's like, you know what happens in a search? In a search, nothing else matters. You pull all the resources possible. You move as fast as you can because time is of the essence and we've got to find them. 
We've got to find them. And everybody's focused. And Jesus is saying, we've got to search like that. We've got to, we've got to be that focus. And it said, for the one that is lost, and I love this one, until he finds it. In other words, Jesus says, I'm not quitting. I'm not backing down. I'm not going to stop until we find them. I mean, what, what Jesus was saying, which he was telling the religious people, listen, I am in search mode. That's why I came. I'm searching. And listen, if you're a Christ follower, you got to live in search mode. It's not about you. God says, it's about others, and I'm going to grow you, and you're going to have the best life you've ever had when you focus on others and get your eyes off of yourself. I mean, he said, that's where your heart grows. That's where life changes. We are a search and rescue church. We've always been, and we always will be until the day they put the box over my head. We are a search and rescue church. We are a lost and found church. That's what we do. And I, and I think over time, we forget. We do. I mean, if you've been in church for a while, you kind of go, yeah, but I like my stuff and my friends. And, but we forget. You forget. I, I had a moment that changed me and reminded me why we do what we do. And uh, if we were in a, our staff, part of our team was in a strategy meeting. And we we're in the strategy meeting. We we're talking about this very thing. But okay, how do we reach people that are outside the church? How, what do they value? And what are, you know, what are the needs of their life? And how, how can we reach them? How can we love them? How do we, what does that look like for us as a church? How do we design what we do for, for them? And, and we're all the conversations and we zeroed on, in on who the one was. And what they looked like and what they valued and what they, you know, what their lives were like and where they spent their time. And, and in this conversation, I looked over to my left and my assistant, Christine Neiman, was to my left and tears are running down her face. And I stopped and I leaned to her and I said, are you okay? And she said, yeah. I just realized that was me. I was the one. When Larry and I walked into the Springs 15 years ago, I was the one. You reached us. And I, I was a wreck because we forget, man. You forget because you were the one one day. And you, you, you can't stop reaching. You can't. We got to pay that one forward. We got to keep on. That, we're going to live differently like that. When we zoom in on the one, I mean, when you live like Jesus, you slow down your life. You, you, you zoom in on the one. You, you, and you're willing to change your world to change their world forever. I love that about this place. I love that. I, I want you to hear the story of uh, Toby and Leona Hunt. Toby and Leona have been part of the Springs for over 20 years. And I want you to hear their journey with the one. Watch. 
I'm Toby Hunt and this is my wife Leona and um, we've been at the Springs for 24 years and we've worked in children's ministries pretty much the entire time we've been at the Springs. I just have such a passion for kids and I think that they are so honest and vulnerable. They love Jesus so much at such an early age and if we can just um, foster that love at an early age, I feel like it is, um, it's the most impressionable time. If you can get the kids to be interested in Jesus, you can get the adults to listen at least because parents listen to their kids. Leona's always wanted to foster for years. And I always told her, you won't be able to handle it. I know how we raised our two kids to be adults, and I know how much they mean to us individually and how close we remain with them. And I always told her, you know, it'd be so hard to let a kid go. And the truth was, if I was being really honest with myself, I was talking about myself. Toby and I have made a phrase, see a need, fill a need. And so with our kids, like, that's not my job. I don't need to take the trash out at see a need, fill a need. It's not a quick process to actually get licensed. And so we were taking the classes and filling out the paperwork and kind of doing all the necessary steps to get our home ready for that. And then one day in early May, they called and asked, said, we have a, a 18 month old and uh, you know, can you take her? And I called her and I mean, literally it was within 30 minutes, she's like, yeah, let's do it. And two hours later, they brought baby P here and we kind of just, that was the beginning of the process, you know, for us anyways. Almost every child that's been, that is in foster care has a story that frankly is sad. Um, and so we want to protect the privacy of the families that are going through these crises and protect the privacy of the child. So we call her baby P. Toby likes to say having a baby at 49 is a lot different than having a baby at 29. Yes. And so uh, it's not always easy. When you do foster care, you don't know how long. You don't know what story you're going to encounter. But what you do know is that you can provide a safe and loving home. For how long, what's going to happen next, we don't always know. And and that's sometimes heartbreaking and scary, but then we come back to, but today, there is a safe, loving home. Kind of had this idea in our mind that she'll be here for a week, a couple weeks, a month, you know, maybe, maybe even a couple months. And, uh, you know, here we are on the other side of seven months with really no guidance beyond that. Like, we don't know how long we're going to have her. It's really, you know, there are moments where I'm just like, I can't believe we're doing this because it's really hard, but it's really beautiful. Maybe in a lot of ways, like the decision to open our hearts and our home to another life, maybe that's the, that maybe that's what someone needs to do is just be willing to open, just, just the thought, open their heart to what God has for them because, um, you know, God loves them unconditionally. And I think that's, again, easier said than done. But if they can take that first step, and a lot of times that's what it takes. If you don't take the first step, you're never gonna take the, subsequent steps to make it work. So I feel like that's the first thing is like, you have to just be open. It's something that Christ would do. And so, you know, we have to do it ourselves. We have grown, I feel like as a couple, mm -hmm. because it's something that we've wanted to do together. I would want her to know that she's loved.
no matter what. But even more than that, God has always loved her. And one of the things when we put her to bed at night, I always pray for her that God will be real to her and that even if she strays from him, that he will draw her back. We would do anything for her, we would. Those are such powerful words. We would do anything for her. I mean, they have reordered their entire world for one little girl. And I mean, you saw the love through their words and their hearts. But you know what? That's how God feels about you. He, he would do anything for you. And he already has. I mean, think, Jesus reordered his world. He left heaven to come to earth, to walk among us, to love, and show us how to live. And he gave his life. He would do anything because he knows how screwed up we are, man, how many times we've messed up and we've blown it and we've fallen short of perfection, which is God's standard. And he says, I'm gonna take care of that. And he died on the cross for my sin and yours to say, I'm gonna pay for your past. Let's start over right now. Follow me, you get forgiveness for your sin. You get a home in heaven one day, but you get life to the fullest today. I'm gonna walk with you. I'll never leave you. I've been searching for you. And for some of you, you, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. You could do that today. You could choose to follow him today. Let's go to the Father in prayer. As you bow your heads and close your eyes, if that's your desire to follow Jesus, you tell him that. You just pray this prayer, not out loud, but between you and God. You say, dear Father, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for searching and keeping the search going. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and I ask you to be the leader and the savior of my life. Teach me how to walk with you. And I ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.